What's up and welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thanks so much for being here, for downloading, for listening to this episode. Uh, Every time you listen to the podcast, I really do appreciate it. I know I kind of normally say like the same thing at the beginning of every episode. Uh, Routines are good, right? And I just kind of fall into the routine of saying the same thing, but I do truly mean it. So I don't want you to ever think that, oh, Chris just says it every time. Uh, I do really, really appreciate you being here and listening to this episode. I hope you find it helpful. Um, And it's one I'm very passionate about. What we're going to talk about today is how to find time to exercise as a busy parent. What we're going to do is break down a lot of techniques Uh, that you can use and information that you need to know to help you balance your health and fitness goals as effectively as you possibly can when you have maybe not all the time in the world to get your workouts completed. Uh, And I guess, you know, this is for busy parents, but it could apply to just busy working professionals. You know, if you're uh, a student and you have a job, you really don't have a lot of time to dedicate to the gym, this could apply to you. Really anybody that's super busy, uh, but I'm targeting this to busy parents because, man, I feel you. I'm with you in the journey right now. And uh, I've had to find a lot of different techniques and and time-saving measures and routines and habits to allow for all of this stuff to continue to come together and for me to continue to be able to train uh, in ways that work me toward the goals that I have. And uh, I've had to change a lot about the way that I train, to be quite honest with you. And so a lot of this episode is going to be informed by by things that I've done, and obviously, you know, techniques that I use uh, with the folks that I work with, my one-on-one online fitness coaching clients, the things that we do, because a lot of them are parents, to help, you know, to help them balance their health and fitness goals uh, amidst everything else you got going on in life. So it's going to be a really, really, I think, helpful episode. And uh, I hope you like it. If you like it, if you find value from it and you know another parent that could benefit from this as well uh, and and you want to share it, that would mean a lot to me. Um, And uh, yeah, we're going to get right into it. uh, But real quick, before we do that, I want to remind you in case you missed last week's episode of the podcast, uh, I am gearing up for a sale. I am gearing up for a sale at the beginning of 2024 where we're going to discount that first month of of one-on-one online fitness coaching. Uh, So if you're interested, that's coming. Uh, But honestly, if you're interested, like if you're legitimately interested, you know, let's say you are already thinking about a New Year's resolution or you want to join a gym in 2024, you want to lose body fat, you want to build muscle, you you really want to do something and and have it work this time around and find ways to do this in a sustainable way and make the progress stick. Um, I have an opportunity right now for you to uh, essentially get your name in the mix for a coaching spot before things fill up. So let me break this down. It's pretty simple. But what I'm doing uh, right now is I have an early access list for people like you uh, that may be interested in uh, signing up for coaching in 2024 um, because spots are going to fill up, okay? Uh, I have a limited amount of people that I can work with uh, one-on-one on a consistent basis uh, because I got to I mean, it's the, the nature of this uh, this episode. The topic is being a busy parent. I got a lot going on, and uh, I want to make sure that all of my clients get all of the attention that they want, need, and deserve, okay? So I'm not one of those coaches that works with like 80, 90, 100 people and just shells out cookie-cutter programs and templates uh, every month. That's not how things operate. It's a very personalized uh, approach to online personal training. I think I have one of, if not the most personalized coaching programs that you are going to find. Uh, So with that being the case, I limit the amount of people that I can and choose to work with. So when I open things up, when I open applications up and run a sale in January, we're going to do that for a short period of time. And when I do that, coaching spots are going to fill up quick. So for people who are like, on my team, right? People like you who listen uh, to me talk on and on about (laughs) God knows what on the podcast every week, Uh, or, um, you know, people who 
Maybe you are subscribed to my mailing list. Anybody who's been with me for a while, I want to give you the opportunity to get your name in the mix before things uh, get filled up. So I have this early access list. There's a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Really, the main point of the early access list, it's super simple. You go in, you hit that link, you give me your name and your email, and I do nothing with your name and your email other than ahead of coaching applications opening up. Before that sale starts to the general public, what I'm going to do is reach out to you directly since your name is on that list. And we can start a conversation about what your goals are, what coaching looks like, what a program might look like for you and determine if it's a good fit. And if it's a good fit, then you can secure your spot before it goes live to the public. uh, And then things fill up. Okay. So uh, giving you that opportunity because I really appreciate you. And if you have a goal, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I want to help you achieve it. All right. So hit that early access link in the show notes to this episode and uh, get your name on the list. And then what I'll do is reach out to you uh, in a few weeks here and we can start the discussion to just talk about what you're interested in doing here uh, in 2024 in the new year. So with all that said, all right, let's dive into the topic of the day, which once again is how to find time to exercise uh, as a busy parent. We're going to do a comprehensive guide with a lot of strategies, techniques, and information that you need to know in order to manage your health and fitness goals amidst life and work and kids and everything else you got going on. And if you're a parent, uh, you know, I know I don't have to explain this to you too much, but it can kind of be hard to find time to do anything <laughs> when you're a parent, uh, really outside of taking care of yourself, managing, you know, work, your career, uh, managing the things you got to do on a daily basis. Cause, uh, you know, just to speak from personal experience, like our days from the very start to the very end, for the most part are chock full of stuff, like stuff that has to get done. Uh, you know, we, we, the minute the family wakes up, we're doing the whole morning routine and trying to get uh, out the door on time to get the kids to school. Um, then after that, it's getting to work on time, doing everything that you got to do at work. Uh, all the while knowing that like when you get home, there's stuff to do around the house. You got to manage the chores. Uh, you got to cook dinner. Um, then the kids get home from school. You got to do the whole nighttime routine, get everybody to bed on time so that you can go to bed and hopefully get a decent night's sleep before it all starts again the next day. Uh, it's a lot. It's rinse and repeat day after day. And a lot of it's fun. I don't ever want it to, you know, come off as like, oh, it's awful. Cause it's not awful. It's amazing, but it's a lot of stuff, right? So oftentimes what happens is when you got all that stuff going on, uh, certain things have to take a back seat. And so many parents, uh, just choose to let their health and fitness take a back seat in this situation, uh, which is understandable because a lot of parents, prior, I mean, you, you, you probably prioritize your kids over everything else, your family over everything else. Um, and then that means uh, you're not prioritizing yourself as much as you probably should. Uh, so with all that going on, it's hard to figure out how to find time to exercise as a busy parent. And again, that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Uh, so I mentioned before, like a lot of this is based on personal experience. Um, I have three kids, uh, under the age of four and I have two full-time jobs. Uh, now luckily I am blessed to be able to work from home in my jobs. One of them obviously is my coaching job, which I'm speaking to you from right now. Um, so I have a a bit more flexibility in that regard, but nevertheless, with all of those things happening, there's a a slew of roles and responsibilities that I have to be, uh, aware of and, and managing consistently, uh, just to be able to, to, you know, make things function. So, um, that's what I'm going to teach you about in this article is a lot of the things that I do that I work with my clients on and that you can do to still find ways to prioritize your health and fitness and still find time to be able to exercise, even though you got all this other stuff going on, because I promise you, you can, I promise you the time exists. Um, it may mean you need to cut out some things outside of your health and fitness that you're doing. And it also may may mean you need to change your routines and habits a little bit, but you can absolutely make it happen. And uh, we're going to talk about um, concepts that you should be aware of in this episode um, in order to manage your health and fitness effectively and efficiently and correctly. And then also like some actually practical, actionable things you can do with your training uh, to make sure that you can find time to exercise. So it's going to be kind of a balance of like, here's information you need to know to help you understand like what's actually most important and how how can you actually continue to make progress or maintain the progress that you've made. And then also 
also, okay, now that we've established that, here are some things that you can do with your training to make it as time efficient as possible. And just to reiterate, like this is not easy. This stuff is not easy. I don't want any of this to come off as, oh, just do this and everything will magically get better because that's that's not the case. It's going to take a lot of time and effort. I mean, I think if if being a parent and showing up to the gym consistently was easy, then everybody would do it. But, but yeah, I kind of just mentioned most people don't. Most parents don't. Most parents uh, put off their health and fitness for a decade or more in order to take care of their family and then find that they're in a huge hole that they need to dig out of after all of that is said and done, right? So we don't want that to be the case because uh, your health is just as important as the health of everybody else in your family because you know when you have good health, you're in a better position to actually be there for your family. So um, you know, I think it's funny, like in doing research for this episode, I had a lot of stuff I already knew I wanted to, to talk about uh, and write about too. I have an article on my website right now on this exact same topic. If you want to go to chrisgatesfitness.com, click on articles. It'll be the first one you see. Uh, same title as this podcast episode. But you know, I, I went clicking around just to do some research to see what other people say on the internet about how to balance being a parent and exercising, working out, making both things uh, work together in concert. And um, I just found so much like corny, unrealistic, impractical suggestions and solutions like, uh, oh, just work out at your desk. Like, like anybody in any workplace can just work out at your desk. Now, don't get me wrong. Moving around at your desk is great. Uh, but like, can you really get a good workout in at your desk? That's going to move the needle forward. Come on, let's be honest. Uh, another one, like to involve your family and train with your kids and I think that's great. I, one day when my kids are older, want to involve them in exercise and like do different workouts where they can have fun. I would not do the same workout for myself as I would do for my kids, okay? Uh, and I can't move around heavy weight with my kids around because somebody could get legitimately seriously hurt. That's not safe and it's not realistic. Uh, so like, it's great to think that you could do that, but in a lot of situations, that's just not an option. Um, and like, oh, just find a few five to 10 minute windows in the day to work out. Like, yeah, I mean, you could do that. And we'll talk about cardio at the end of this episode. And I think like that maybe is the instance where this applies. But we're going to talk a lot about strength training because, um, I mean, yeah, you know me. I, I firmly believe and the research supports it that strength training uh, is probably the most important thing that you can do for your body. Uh, like, what are you going to do? You, if you have three 10-minute windows in the day, are you going to like – just max out three times a day and then go right back to work. Like, how's that going to work? I just think there's uh, not like none of those are bad suggestions to be clear, but the average person, including myself is just not going to do those things. And I think that that's totally fair. Uh, you don't want to get sweaty at your desk. You don't want to try to do workouts in an open office space with other people around. Uh, you know, I mentioned like the stuff about kids, that how that's difficult. Um, there's the, those are cute suggestions, but they're not realistic. So what I want to do is really truly break down realistic options for you. But before we get into the specific training techniques, let's talk a little bit about just like your body, uh, how it responds to training. And like from a, from a busy parent's perspective, how much training do you need? What do you need to do to maintain? What do you need to do to build uh, more muscle or more strength or more progress? Um, and, you know, like what happens if you have to take time off? Like how do you climb back into it after that? There's so many things that happen uh, over the course of being a parent that I want to make sure we talk about that and kind of like lay the groundwork before we talk specifically about what you should do with your workouts. So first, let's talk about training volume, the amount of work that you can or should or need to do in order to make progress uh, and just how that relates to what you're trying to accomplish with your health and fitness goals amidst everything else you got going on. Uh, there's this 
this concept, this resource called the training volume landmarks. And uh, what what that means, what this is, is essentially helping you understand how much you need to do to maintain what you have, um, how little can you do to actually see progress and progressively overload and then like what's the maximum amount that you can do and your body still recover from we're gonna not going to talk about that maximal stuff today but what i do want to draw some attention to is just how little you can do and actually still make progress and then in terms of making progress with strength training we're always talking about progressive overload right and what that means is you simply want to see yourself over time doing more and and by doing more i don't mean like more and more sets i mean ticking the workload up over time that can mean doing more sets but can also mean just doing more reps so if you're doing like a dumbbell bench press uh if you are doing three sets of eight with it right now and then in three months you're doing three sets of 15 well, you have progressively overloaded to the point where your body has adapted and you've gotten stronger, you've built more muscle to be able to do all of those extra reps. Uh, or it could be obviously lifting more weight. So if you're doing three sets of eight with 50 pound dumbbells and you find in three months, you're able to do three sets of eight with 60 pound dumbbells, you've progressively overloaded, your body has adapted and now you're able to, I mean, you have more muscle, you have more strength and you're able to lift more weight. Uh, so you can progressively overload with the same amount of volume that you're doing right now, volume meaning like sets that you're doing each week for each muscle group um, and make progress. And so you can do a specific amount of volume that fits within your daily lifestyle and just try to progressively overload within that amount of volume. Uh, but with these training volume landmarks, you know, we actually find that like maintaining a lot of muscle groups uh, actually can require next to, to no volume at all. Um, like when we're talking about like your, your abdominal muscles, uh, your short shoulder muscles, like the, the delts, your, your lateral delt, your side delt, your rear delt, uh, your traps, uh, I guess I should have mentioned your front delt, uh, even glutes, like there's there's suggested volume out there that you don't necessarily have to do any volume to maintain those muscle groups. Um, and even for some of the larger muscle groups that do require volume, uh, you know, for a lot of the muscle groups you have, you could do as little as like six to eight sets a week, which is like two to three exercises per muscle group. You really don't have to do that much at all. And there's also a lot of research out there that shows, you know, if you just look at what you're, what you've done now to, to build the muscle and strength that you have, you could potentially do as little as 30%, as little as like a third of that training volume just to maintain what you have. Okay. And, and I'm sharing that to help you find comfort and ease and stress a little bit less about how to manage all this stuff by, by knowing that you can do very little to maintain what you have. To make more progress, to, to build more muscle, build more strength, it takes a lot more effort and time. But then once you put in that effort and time to build what you have, maintaining it is exponentially more easy. Okay. That's very, very important for you to know. So as a busy parent, when you're trying to figure out like, oh man, am I falling behind? Am I losing all my progress? I haven't been able to, I wanted to train four days this week and I only got one or two sessions in. Um, you, you actually probably are doing just fine and maintaining everything that you have because you put in the work previously and maintaining is very easy. So that's important for you to know. Um, now, another one that should give you ease and, and help you stress a little bit less uh, is this concept of muscle memory. Uh, now, this one is another one that's been shown in a lot of research uh, to essentially benefit those folks who have done what I just said. You put in the time and effort to build muscle. Um, when you do that, rebuilding muscle gets a lot easier. Now, let me break down what I mean by that. So let's say you, uh, you know, 
put in the time and effort and you build a, a decent amount of muscle. And then you run into a period where, I don't know, you have a month where you can't train, two months where you can't train, some extended period of time where you're not able to lift weights uh, and you do end up losing some muscle on your frame. The cool thing to know is that when you put in all that time and effort to build muscle, what actually happens is you know, the cellular structures in your body are created so that you build these cells and these nuclei for muscle, muscle cells, uh, to be in your body. And when you detrain, when you stop training, those muscle cells may shrink in size, but they don't go away. You don't lose them. They don't vanish into thin air. You still have those muscle cells in your body. So what that means is the next time you're able to get back into training consistently, that muscle that you put in all the time and effort into growing, it may have shrunk in size, but you will rebuild it exponentially faster than it took for you to build it the first time around. Okay, so every time we're looking at strength training, building muscle, building strength, creating that change in your body, uh, the effort that you put in is never lost, okay? It may... I guess shrink in size, but the cool thing is that investment of your time and effort into doing this stuff is it's kind of like you know like investing in in the stock market. You know, if you put some money in in and you let it you let it sit for years, uh, you're going to make money on that money, and uh, you know it may ebb and flow over time, but the net is always positive. Well, the time and effort that you put into strength training, the net is always positive because you may build a bunch of muscle and then you may see your progress fall off because of different things that happen in life. Say having a kid maybe, and you can't train for a couple months. Uh, then when you come back into train again, because of all of that time and effort that you put in, it's Again, exponentially easier to rebuild the muscle and get back to the point where you left off and then you can start making progress again. Now, obviously, you would have to ease yourself back into training. You can't just jump back into lifting the same amount of weight for the same amount of reps as where you left off before you took time off. That's not going to work. But if you do it the right way and ease yourself back into training, uh, you'll be able to build that muscle back relatively quickly. So these are things that hopefully, you know, just from a, I, I know this firsthand from a parenting perspective, you're gonna run into situations where, whether it's planned or unplanned, you're you're not gonna be able to work out for a while. Like for instance, over the past two weeks leading up to the day I'm recording this podcast episode, um, we had a week of vacation, which was planned, uh, and I trained one time, and uh, you know that that was kind of expected. I was like, "Hey, any training I can get in is a is a is a, a bonus." And then when we came back, I thought, "Well, I will dive into a, a brand new training block." But then the kids were sick. We had stomach bugs and stuff going around the house where like we, uh, like there was training was not an option. Okay, because sleep was terrible. Trying to like help the immune system along and not get myself super sick by adding training on top of everything else. So I had a week where, again, I think I trained uh, maybe twice, once or twice. So over the course of 14 days, I basically barely trained at all, which is totally outside of the the, the normal scope of what I do. Um, so when I came back into training, I started a new training block this week. I eased, I'm easing my way back into it. Okay. And I know that by the end of this training block, I'm going to make a ton of progress and uh, I will be ahead of where I left off at the beginning of it because my body's going to respond very well to this stuff because I put in so much time and effort over the years. Uh, so these types of things hopefully will give you a lot of uh, just comfort in knowing that like when you do have to take some time off because it will happen as a parent, uh, it's not the end of the world and you will get back into it a lot quicker than you think and your body is going to respond to this stuff uh, a lot better than you probably think to. All right, another piece of foundational information that I want to cover before we really break down the different techniques you can use is um, just reading and reacting to how your body is feeling. Because, you know, as a parent, you're going to go through stretches of time where sleep is 
great. And then sleep is terrible and stress is high and stress is low. And, um, you know, you got everything else going on in your life too, where like maybe work is demanding or something like that. Uh, and you're gonna have to get good at understanding how your body is feeling and just being a bit more mindful, uh, about that, uh, aspect of things. And uh, reading and reacting to that situation with your training. So, uh, you know, after a few poor nights of sleep, um, you can often wake up feeling aches and pains or sore. Uh, And then when that's the case, you're going to have to figure out like, okay, do I train or do I not train? And if I do train, what exercises do I do? What type of workout should I do? And it's important to have options that you can kind of mix and match with based on how you're feeling. So I want to talk about the concept of like fatigue for individual exercises and how that relates to to you and and what you can or cannot do or should or should not do. Um, And it's important to know that different exercises, like each individual exercise, exercise is going to be more or less fatiguing based on the nature of that exercise. Uh, And what I mean is like, okay, let's take compound exercises. A compound exercise is something that involves multiple joints and multiple muscle groups in your body working together to move the weight. Uh, So we're often talking about like pressing, like a bench press or a shoulder press, rowing, like a, like a lap pull down, a pull up, a seated row, um, squatting, Okay, that's a the easy one. A deadlift would be a compound exercise as well. These types of exercises uh, are typically pretty highly fatiguing because they involve so much of your body in the exercise. Um, whereas if you compare that to isolation exercises, which are exercises that isolate one individual muscle group, so that would be maybe a bicep curl where you're just training your bicep or a tricep pushdown where you're just training your tricep or maybe a leg extension where you're only training your quads. Those are going to be much less fatiguing because there's less of your body involved in the exercise. Um, and also at the same time, when you look at the muscle groups in your body, you can kind of identify which ones are going to cause more or less fatigue based on just the physical size of those muscles. So training your quads, which are unbelievably big muscles. They run down the whole front half, uh, the whole front top half of your leg or your glutes. Uh, Those are huge muscles. They are much, much bigger than say your biceps or your triceps. So when you train those larger muscle groups, you're going to inherently cause more damage and fatigue in your body than if you train the smaller muscle groups. Um, And then there's the last thing I want to cover is this concept of like axial loading. Axial loading is when you're using typically a barbell and you're, you're putting, how do I want to say this, load on your spine in some way. So if you're doing a barbell squat and you're putting a barbell on top of your back and squatting up and down. You are going to be putting a decent amount of pressure on your spine while you're doing that exercise. A deadlift could be considered the same thing. It it challenges your posterior chain all the way up the the middle of your back, right? Uh, Is gonna be involved in doing a deadlift. Exercises that are uh, going to be more challenging from an axial loading perspective, those are also going to be exercises that are more fatiguing. So uh, you can use this type of information uh, to understand how to structure your workouts so that you can be consistent and also set your body up for success so that when you are in those situations where maybe sleep is really bad or stress is really high, stuff like that, you can pick exercises that are going to be less fatiguing. And then when you're feeling really good and you're getting great sleep and stress is low and things are perfect, nobody's sick, um, you can perhaps challenge yourself a bit more with some of those compound exercises that maybe some of them are going to be considered axial loading exercises. Um, These types of concepts are really important for you to at least be aware of so that you can choose the right exercises to do based on what's happening right now in your life. And the last thing I want to cover is sleep before we dive into the techniques. So sleep, obviously, I've mentioned it a bunch here already uh, in this episode, uh, but like 
sleep is the major driver of recovery for all of us when it comes to working out, recovering, and adapting from exercise, specifically strength training. Uh, When you're sleeping at night, your body goes through uh, different sleep cycles that in different ways help your body recover both mentally and physically. So you're in certain periods of time while you're sleeping, your brain is recovering. Other periods of time while you're sleeping, your body's recovering. During sleep is when your body uh, secretes growth hormone and other hormones to help your body actually repair tissue and grow new tissue. So sleep is unbelievably important uh, for strength training and, and seeing progress with strength training. And, you know, as a parent, sleep is important for just getting through the day every day. So how much you need, uh, based on how much you can get, it's not always going to be what is quote unquote optimal. Um, and you know, we just need to, in addition to talking about like different exercises, reading and reacting to how your body's feeling, you probably can and should read and react to what your sleep is looking like. So, um, you know, what I've experienced is that after one bad night of sleep, and bad night is typically like five or less hours of sleep, um, if I have one of those, I don't notice a big dip in terms of what I'm able to do from a performance perspective in the gym. I typically can still show up to my workout and do pretty well. Um, But I will say, when it turns from one into two to three, like consecutive days of poor sleep, that's when I notice the biggest hit on my training and my recovery specifically. If I get a couple bad nights of sleep in a row, I will notice I'm just feeling more sore than usual. Nothing else has changed. I'm still getting calories, still getting the protein, doing all the things that my body needs, but um I, you know, I just noticed that when I get those consecutive nights of bad sleep is when uh, recovery starts to take a hit. And that typically is when I read and react to the situation and say, okay, I probably shouldn't train today. Okay. And I probably need to give my body a bit more rest before I get back into the gym again to lift weights and start this whole process of breaking muscle down and wanting to rebuild it. Um, So reading and reacting to your sleep and understanding how much sleep is necessary is important. Now, how much sleep is necessary? Well, we always say seven to nine hours a night is really going to be optimal for most adults in terms of uh, just overall health, but then also recovering from your workouts. Uh, But as a parent, you probably know it's not always feasible. That's not always realistic. So I kind of lower the bar just a little bit. And I think if you can get six at a minimum, um, consistently or somewhat consistently, you're probably in honestly a pretty good place. And and this is especially when your kids are young. Um, if you're getting five or less on a consistent basis, then it's something to really reevaluate because it's hard to train, consistently week after week when you're getting that little sleep. So, you know, the the guidelines are going to kind of be specific to each and every person. Some people handle low sleep better than others. For instance, my wife handles it much better than I do. But uh, yeah, you're going to have to pay attention to sleep and, and how your body's responding to that. Okay, now let's dive into some of these techniques in terms of how you can set up your own workout plan to, uh, you know, Stay consistent with exercise, how to find time to exercise as a busy parent. The one I want to start with, the first thing I want to talk about is just start by figuring out what exercises or what forms of fitness you enjoy the most. Um, And this could be, you know, individual exercises like dumbbell pressing versus barbell pressing, like, hey, I like dumbbells more than barbells. Uh, Or it could be the forms of fitness that you like, like, hey, I like doing CrossFit more than I like doing bodybuilding style training. Or I really enjoy fitness classes at my gym more than me just walking on the treadmill. Like, whatever you enjoy with fitness, it's important to start there uh, because the best thing you can do to set your up yourself up for success to find time for your workouts is to be doing things you enjoy. Because if you're doing things you hate, I promise you will find reasons to not find time to do those workouts. Because uh, a lot of the time you're going to feel drained when it comes time to work out and okay, 
Are we going to stick to it? Are we going to still use that time to hit this workout? Um, from a mental and emotional and physical standpoint, you're not always going to feel 100% uh, when you have a workout scheduled. But if you have workouts that you can actually look forward to, it's going to benefit you the most uh, and make you more likely to show up and actually do the work. Now, depending on what your goals are, there may be specific exercises or forms of exercise that you have to do. But even with that, there's always variations that you can choose from to set yourself up for success, to make it as enjoyable as you possibly can. Sometimes I'll say, okay, if we can't make it enjoyable, let's make it as tolerable as possible. So, you know, if you're trying to build muscle, all right, we have to do certain exercises to help you build muscle. And let's say you want to, uh, you know, build bigger legs. Okay, we're probably gonna have to squat, but like there are 32 variations of squats that I could think of off the top of my head that we could try. And perhaps one of those feels palatable to you, feels tolerable to you. That's what I'm talking about. So set yourself up for success by trying to have things that you actually look forward to. Uh, And if you do, just like anything, it's going to make making time for that easier. Now, when it comes to exercise selection within your workouts, Um, unless it's completely necessary, I would recommend you avoiding doing a lot of unilateral exercises. Unilateral exercises are exercises where you're doing like one arm at a time or one leg at a time, one side at a time. Um, And that's simply because you're going to have to do both sides, right? (laughs) You're going to have to do both sides to even it out, which means to train Both sides, it's going to take you twice as long as it could to just do both sides at the same time. So let's say we're doing shoulder presses. Instead of doing one arm shoulder presses with your left arm, and then you do the right arm, and then that's the end of one set, just do both arms at the same time, okay? Instead of doing one arm bicep curls with your right arm first, and then your left arm second, and then that's the end of your set, do both arms at the same time. It's This is something that, that it seems so logical, but a lot of people screw it up. You're just gonna make it take twice as long if you're doing unilateral exercises. Uh, so that's an easy way uh, to, to save time and make sure that you're still getting effective workouts completed. Another thing you could consider is using supersets. Now, let me tell you about what those are. Supersets are a, a structure for your workouts where you're doing two exercises back to back before taking a rest period. So, for example, you know, maybe in a workout you have uh, bicep curls followed by tricep pushdowns. Um, and, you know, you're doing three sets of bicep curls. And then once you're done with those, you go to do tricep pushdowns. Well, if you wanted to superset those two exercises, uh, what you would do is do your set of bicep curls and then immediately do a set of tricep pushdowns. And then when you're done with the tricep pushdowns, then you take your rest period. And that's the end of set one of this superset. So if you're doing three sets of both of them, you'll do that once, take your rest period, and then go into set two of the superset where you do the bicep curls again, followed by the tricep pushdowns immediately after, and then a rest period. And then you do it one more time to complete the third set of your superset. You could do this uh, really with anything. It's often uh, best done with opposing muscle groups. So two that I just listed, biceps and triceps, are opposing muscle groups. What that means is like when you're doing each exercise, one muscle group is resting while the other is working. Now, if you were to do like a row and then bicep curls, well, we know that when you row, like your biceps are somewhat involved in rowing. So you're fatiguing your biceps when you're rowing and then you're doing bicep curls, which means you're once again, really fatiguing your biceps. Um, That's gonna affect performance as you do more and more sets of that superset. So what might be better is like, Uh, you could superset a row with a dumbbell bench press. So you're training your back and then going right into chest. So then when you're training back, your chest is resting. And then when you're training chest, your back is resting. You see what I mean? Those are opposing muscle groups. That's normally the best way to do it. You don't have to do it that way, but that's normally the best way to do it. I really like doing supersets and and I I give them to my clients all the time, even if they don't need to save time just because it's a cool intensity technique too. Uh, But uh, yeah, easy way 
way to save some time. It's you, you basically get two exercises completed uh, at the same time, give or take, uh, more or less that it would take to do one exercise. Um, so we've already saved a lot of time right there, right? We're not going to do unilateral exercises, and then we're going to superset exercises. So we've saved you a lot of time just with these last two techniques. And so let's build on that. You can also try to stack exercises together in your workout. And by stack exercises together, I mean like do them back to back that use the same piece of equipment or, it, you know, in your gym, at the very least equipment that's near each other in the gym. Um, so what that will do is cause less setup time and teardown time. Uh, if the less of that that you can have, the better. You know, if you're doing like all these compound exercises where like you're doing the leg press and then you're going to go over to do a uh, 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 barbell squat, well, you're going to have to put all those plates on the leg press, then take all them off, then go over to the squat rack wait for a barbell probably. And then when you can get one, then you got to do all the warm up sets and load all the weight back on. It takes a lot of time. Um, so, you know, if you can use the same piece of equipment to do a bunch of different exercises, obviously that's going to save a lot of time as well. So I mentioned like a bicep and tricep superset, something that you could do. Uh, I mean, that's a perfect example. You could do biceps and triceps on the cable machine. So do a superset of biceps and triceps where you're doing cable curls. And then once you're done with the cable curls, you just raise the handle up to the top and then you do tricep pushdowns. And so you're using the same piece of equipment. You don't have to like do one and then run to the other side of the gym to do another. Everything's right there in front of you. Again, saves a lot of time. Uh, another example would be doing leg extensions followed by maybe leg curls. You could do some machines actually allow you to do both of those on the same machine. Uh, or if you don't have one of those machines, they're normally right next to each other. So you could do a set of leg extensions, get up from that machine, just go right next to it, do the set of leg curls. Uh, and, and again, so you're, you're, you're doing uh, a super set of opposing muscle groups and getting them completed easily because they're right next to each other. Uh, or if you can't even superset them, you know, you got the leg extension machine right next to the seated leg curl. So you do your three sets of leg extensions and then you just walk right next to it and do your set of leg curls. Uh, saves a little bit of time and that all of that stuff really, really matters. Um, another example, do all of your dumbbell exercises together uh, before moving to a different piece of equipment. So, you know, oftentimes when we're looking at like, okay, what's quote unquote optimal for building muscle or building strength. Uh, it would be to do exercises in a certain order that wouldn't be optimal in terms of time, like we're talking about in this episode. Um, and that's understandable. And if you have the time for that, that's great. But if you don't have the time for that, then you got to kind of like ditch some of what's optimal for what's most practical. Okay. And if you have if you're doing five or six exercises and four of them involve dumbbells, do all four of those dumbbell exercises together. Cluster them together in your workout and then go to the next piece of equipment that you need to use. Don't do like one dumbbell exercise, then go to a piece of equipment, then come back and do another dumbbell exercise, then go to another piece of equipment, then come back and do another dumbbell exercise. Stay in one spot, get all the work done that you can in that one spot, and then go to the next spot. And that's another good segue because it's important to understand that like you really don't need to do probably more than five to six exercises in any one strength training workout uh, if you're structuring things appropriately and if like you're doing the highest bang for your buck ROI exercises. A lot of people think that you need to be doing like 10 exercises in the gym and really uh, driving your body into the ground. And we already talked about like training volume. How much do you actually need it's less than you think. Um, so if you can, you know, plan to just have five or six exercises that you can get the absolute most out of, uh, that's going to set you up for success from a progress standpoint, but also from a time standpoint. Um, most of my client programs are only five to six exercises per workout because we're really trying to do the best that we possibly can at those five to six exercises and leave the gym feeling like you built your body up and not like you ran your body into the ground. So uh, just another you know nugget that is hopefully helpful uh, and hopefully can give you a bit of a bit of relaxation or, or stress a little bit less about all this stuff. You don't need to do a million different exercise variations. You just need to do a few of the ones that really work. 
And now here's a technique that I've adopted recently that I honestly never thought I would. Uh, this is to structure as many total body workouts into your routine as you possibly can. Now, I've always been such a big fan of the push-pull legs, like bro split, uh, where you're training you know, just a few muscle groups uh, in each workout, each individual workout, and like you're really hammering volume on like, let's say a push day, you're just training the absolute living shit out of your chest. Like I still love to do that, but I've had to change my workouts as a busy parent now to be as effective and efficient as they possibly can in a certain amount of time. And I've actually reduced the amount of days that I train uh, to, to four days per week And so what I've done is made all four of those workouts total body workouts. Now, what do I mean by that? I just mean that like I'm fitting in the exercises I need to do in each workout based on what's going to work best. So I'm often training upper body and lower body. And what that means is like that might mean in one one workout I'm doing one exercise for my quads and then a bunch of other upper body work. It also might mean I have you know, quads and hamstrings and glutes and calves. And then I do a dumbbell chest press. Like it, it could be any combination of things, but like just taking your mind and opening it up to really, you can piece these things together in any way that you want. Uh, so as by the end of the week, you're doing the work that you need to do. Um, the reason I like this so much for busy parents is that you never know what's going to come up throughout the week. Like I just described earlier, what came up for us, my kids got sick and we had to shut down the gym. (laughs) And, um, you know, you may have a week where things come up or sleep gets really bad and and you can't train all of the days that you wanted to, or, 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 or thought you were going to. And when you're doing, if you're doing like a push-pull leg split, let's say you do your push day and then for the rest of the week, you can't do your pull day or your lower body day. Well, that means for the week, you only trained your chest, shoulders, and triceps and your back and your biceps and your legs. They got nothing. Well, if you're doing total body workouts every time you work out, that means you're hitting at every muscle group more or less every time you work out. And so that means each week, as long as you can get one workout in, you're going to hit everything, right? You're going to train everything at least a little bit. And I think that's really, really helpful when you are a busy parent and you never know what's around the corner. It's comforting to know that like, oh, if stuff comes up, this week isn't going to be a wash. I'm not going to totally neglect certain aspects of my body composition. Like you can still do at least a little bit. And if you think about that, that, okay, how much do I need to do to maintain Well, basically, if you could just hit one of those workouts, you'll know you did enough to maintain. And then everything else throughout the week is like icing on the cake and doing that little bit more to really move the needle in the right direction. So uh, total body workouts is something that I've adopted and I really love now, and I don't think I'm going to go back on it. Um, And it's, it's just something for you to consider. Okay, just a few more here before uh, we wrap up this episode. Next, I want to talk to you about myo reps. What are myo reps? You've probably not heard of this because this is a relatively new topic, uh, relatively new technique. Not a lot. It's more. I mean, it's pretty popular in like bodybuilding circles, but I don't think very as 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 well known in just like the general population uh, sphere. So myo reps are this concept where you do one full set to a high intensity. Okay. So let's take the, the cable, uh, bicep curl exercise as an example. Uh, you do cable bicep curls for your first set you know, until you have like one rep left in the tank. You go almost all the way to failure. And then instead of taking a full rest period at that point, you put the weight down and you pause for five to 10 seconds and then you crank out a few more reps. And then you pause for another five to 10 seconds and then you crank out a few more reps. And so let's say you wanted to do three sets of biceps, but you're really short on time. Well, what you could do is a myo rep set where you do one full set 
followed by those two essentially mini myo rep sets. And the the thought process here, the science behind it is, you know, if you think about every time you do a set of an exercise, do you do a set, you take a full rest period. Do a set, take a full rest period. Normally, when you do your first set, then you take that full rest period. In the next set, you have to do a certain amount of reps until you get to the intensity level that really starts to make those reps hard. And what we know from research is that like when those reps start to get really hard, that typically is when you're getting the most bang for your buck in terms of building muscle, right? When the intensity is highest, when you're getting closer and closer to failure. So what myo reps do is they help make you get more of those really effective reps completed, uh, on on less time, right? You don't you don't have to do as many of the filler reps that work you up to that intensity level, that that proximity to failure. So you're you're doing a full set, then you're taking a very very short rest period to do a few more reps really close to failure, and then another short rest period, and then a few more reps really close to failure. Um, it's a more advanced technique, but if you've been lifting a while and you haven't tried it, it might be a fun one to help you uh, pack in an adequate amount of volume, but do it really, really quickly. All right, let's wrap up by talking cardio, okay? And uh, when when we started this episode, talked about how like, oh, take a few five to 10 minute opportunities throughout the day and get some exercise in and how that's like, ah, maybe not going to work for a lot of people. I do think that that's very effective though for cardio when you don't have a lot of time. Um, Cardio is much different than strength training in a lot of ways in terms of how your body, you know, receives the stimulus and then how your body adapts from it. And short bursts with cardio can be unbelievably impactful. So, you know, if you have three 10 minute windows, doing three 10 minute walks a day and and getting your steps up just from an overall health perspective and and for managing your body composition is huge. That that should not be poo-pooed. That should not be uh, downscaled or, or downsized or, or or talked down on because it absolutely adds up and matters when you do it consistently. Uh, and also, you know, in, in some of those uh, short windows of time, if you could do a short jog or get, hammer out some sprints or hop on the spin bike and do some intervals for five or 10 minutes, that also from a cardiovascular perspective with your training can really, really make a, a, a big impact and it can really be beneficial again when done consistently. Is it going to be as good as like having 30 to 60 minutes to dedicate to your cardio? Probably not, but I can get you pretty close if you do it the right way. So when you have those little, little itty bitty windows, that's when you can maybe do a little bit of cardio here and there uh, to, to help push your overall health and your cardiovascular endurance in the right direction. And the last, last, very last thing I want to talk about is just time-saving techniques, okay? So uh, think about your days and, and think about ways that you can conserve time. This isn't a training technique, but like a life technique, like if you have the means and you can have the yard work taken care of, uh, if you can do grocery pickup instead of spending an hour in the grocery store shopping, you know, any of these things that life provides us with now uh, to have some luxuries that take time and put it back in your pocket. Um, anything that you can do and obviously is within your means to give you more time, relieve some stress, take action items off your to-do list. Uh, give your body more rest, perhaps allow you to get to bed earlier. Uh, those are all worth it. So don't, don't, don't uh, forget about that type of stuff too, because all of these time-saving techniques we talked about from an exercise perspective are great, but there's also other stuff you can do throughout your daily life to to create more time as well. Uh, I hope you found this episode helpful. That is going to wrap up this uh, really comprehensive guide to how to find time to exercise as a busy parent. So um, I really, like I said, hope you found it helpful. I hope some of these can help guide you uh, as we approach uh, 2024. And, uh, you know, if you're trying to set a health or fitness goal, um, hopefully these can help you do it and prioritize your own health along with doing all the things you do to prioritize the health of your family as well. Um, So yeah. Hope you enjoyed this one. Thank you again so much for listening. And don't forget that early access link is in the show notes. 
sale is coming. Make sure you get your name on the list if you are interested in a spot. And, uh, you know, we can talk more about that here in the next few weeks. Uh, All right. Until the next episode, have a great day. I'll talk to you again soon.